Welcome to Dig It. This is Edge with my co-host, Corey Lynn of Corey Stiggs. And today we have a very special guest, investigative journalist and director, Miriam Hanane. How are you, Miriam? It's good to see you. Very happy to be with you ladies again. Thank you. Yeah, congratulations on the release of your new documentary on George Floyd. Thank you. I'm, I'm very excited, very happy. And uh, this goes with a book. The book is not out yet, um, but... but uh, definitely a lot of truth bombs. Awesome. So we're going to get into that today. We're also going to talk about Corey's Diggs solution series on navigating a failed healthcare system. Plus, we're going to talk about U.S. Africa Leaders Summit, also the digital diagnosis code for the unvaxxed. Plus, we're going to talk about Project Verita Tosses bombshell lit latest report on Pfizer mutating the COVID virus. And we're going to talk about the FDA proposing a shift to annual COVID shots. Finally, we'll wrap up with my latest report on Corey Stiggs called Funding the Control Grid Part 1, the my biomedical framework. So we've got a lot to discuss, ladies. Let's Let's get into your documentary. And so, Miriam, um, so for some of our listeners who have not seen your prior appearances on our show, can you tell them a little bit about your latest documentary? Absolutely. It's called uh, The Timeline. I had to remove um, George Floyd's name due to veiled threats from the George Floyd estate that I can speak to in a moment. This is a book, um, film that is really a companion to a book that I'm still working on because real investigations take a long time. It's been about a year and a half plus that I've been working on this and very anxious to move on to um, medical freedom, which are my beats and, and transhumanism. Um, but I'm very proud with, of this film. This was edited by Sean Hibbler and he really realized my, my vision and so it's very simple. I've just put together the the timeline using the um, all the uh, camera angles and all the body worn footage, and ultimately conducting a way better investigation than any of the uh, multitude of FBI investigators, prosecution, defense, or any of the media whores out there as a real journalist. And um, yeah, so that's. I'm curious to know your your um, impressions after watching it. It so was would, brilliant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just a, so, okay. So it was like an hour long and it was, I wanted it to be longer. It was <laughs> because I am a detailed person, as you know, yes. and so are you. So you, I love that you started, what was it like 16 or 17 minutes leading up to it? Somewhere around there. Yeah. And you covered like you said, all the different camera angles. But what I liked is you pointed out all the inconsistencies and there were a lot. And I want to know if you've dug deeper into the manager that said he wasn't there. Yes. Like, is that going to be part of the documentary book? I know the book you're going to have even more information in. Yeah, so the book is really a hundredfold truth bombs than than this. And this this film really came out of my desire to I'm big into chronology 
as you mentioned, I'm very big into details. Lives matter in this mediocre mm-hmm. world, which is one of the reasons when I was listening to both of you, I'm like, I, you know, I'd love to meet these ladies because they're detail oriented. And I just find it's it's lost. And that where is that that's where the devil lies. So I just wanted yeah. to see it for myself. And it was the first time just a few weeks ago that I could take off my director, producer, writer cap off and watch it to further cement my theories because I bring in a lot of receipts. It's a thousand hours plus of investigation and uh, I wanted to lay it all out. So yes, I go into Mr. Adam. There's a whole lengthy chapter about cup foods. Cup foods is history. I remind people that the reason there is the milestone footage across the street is to keep an eye on cup foods. That's why (laughs) that's why it was put there. And this cover up that I expose in the film and in the book, you can agree with me that no one on this planet has brought attention to, but it's a very key piece. And perhaps the fake money is uh, coming out of cup foods because we we never got any resolve on where does right. this fake money come from and and it's easy to say well that answer died with george but right yeah that was that was one of my key takeaways of course i do appreciate all the camera angles and i think that you actually obtained footage that really hadn't been seen by the public much or if at all before is that correct that is correct. And people are shocked. They're like, did you say you bought the footage from the government? <laughs> I bought yeah. the footage. I've bought the footage from the government. I bought all the exhibits. That's the money that I'm just trying to recoup for the people who dare say that I'm trying to um, you know, make make money off of someone's life when you learn <laughs> the reason why I took off the name George Floyd is because the estate has filed 12 trademarks, everything under the the sun. I joke that they're turning George Floyd into a veritable theme park. Anything you can imagine, keychains, T-shirts, cups, they've trademarked wow. it all. And so I, I got a veiled threat saying that I can't even write a book about a public figure. What? Wow. That's insane. But yeah, going back to the counterfeit money aspect, I found that to be just a key takeaway for me and a huge part of the story. And it definitely looked like the counterfeit money aspect was just much bigger than George Floyd or his crew. And you want to know how far does it go? And it definitely looked like there was some sort of cover up on that aspect of the story. Of course, it became all about racism, but nobody was really asking anything more about where that counterfeit money came from. So even the Secret Service, I I flash the memorandum that I obtained through FOIA, through the Secret Service. And when you read this two page one, they overlook two of the bills because there were two fake 20s and then uh, fake ones that were shoved between the seats. So they just omit a part of the part of the funds that were found and two. I mean, I find it very hard to believe if you're conducting an investigation that you don't even speculate or state that you're going to look into the source of the money. And and there's no mention, which shows that this is Mickey Mouse in my 
in my opinion, even, you know, considering that in January, as we were locking down for the first time in, in Wuhan, that uh, they captured $900,001 bills. And so underneath this all, which I go into the book w way more, is a money laundering um, drug trafficking operation with very much the complacency of the government. Right. Yeah. Well, the other thing I liked is that you pointed out, and I think you were right on the money, the one officer queuing those people in on the street. Yeah. That was quite interesting. So there's so, there's a lot of little things like that throughout this that I, I've you know I've not seen before. No, I, I I've watched this footage hundreds <laughs> of times. I bet. Over and over again, sometimes watching it without sound, looking at the periphery, scanning for patterns. And so when I saw that, I was actually still in San Francisco and I asked Zach Voorhees, the Google whistleblower, I'm like, Zach, come and take a look at this. And he kind of waved it off like, no, nah, Mimi, that's that's nothing. And then I was like, oh, yeah, mofo, let me get his camera. Let's see what it looks like from his camera. Okay, right. what are you going to say now? What are yep. you going to say to this? What right. is this? Right on the money. Yep. So that is yeah. like, that is a money shot. And yeah, that is a money shot and, and indicates, you know, and I think also the reaction in the real world, this would be news. This film would get a lot more attention. But you can tell also who are the people, unfortunate to say, that, pose as one of us, um, patriots, truthers, but in reality, don't give 100% truth and nothing but the truth. We're talking about 70%, 80%. And it's just like the marketing, when you see 70% organic, that means it's not organic, because 30%. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But it's, it's, so it's been interesting to get it circulated and to see who doesn't want to touch it because in reality, um, you know, we saw what happened with Steve Crowder uh, last week and the, the, you know, working within the system, but posing as free, but not really, you know what I'm, I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Right. So now, so now we'll have links under the video, but so tell people where they can go to rent or buy the documentary and when can we expect your book to come out? Or do you not really have a time set on that yet? Well, I did, but now that I'm <laughs> being forced to move, um, you know, cause all I want to do is just leave me the F alone. I just want to work. <laughs> no, I just want to get this done so I can move on. Um, so I'm hoping a June of uh, 2023, I, I was aiming before I go speak at Anarcopulco in Mexico to turn in a draft to the publishers. Um, but for now, people can go to My Movies Plus. They are distributing the film. I even struck a deal with them that I could sell the film on my own uh, on my Vimeo. But guess what? Vimeo only accepts PayPal in 2023 <laughs> and I've been banned since 2018. So without my movies plus, I wouldn't be able to offer this film. So people can rent it for less than $5 and buy it. Or there's also, I think a link to get a subscription because they have a lot of awesome uh, um, titles when more and more supposed documentarians and filmmakers 
are captured and not really interested in in the truth. So you can use Bee Lady to get um, 20% off if they want to subscribe and obtain the other. And please share it. I'm using the real timeline, hashtag the real timeline. I was originally called the death of George Floyd, the real timeline. But like I said, I got a veiled threat. And so I've changed it to just the timeline to just keep it neutral. And the feedback has been amazing, excellent. So I'm really, really proud of this collaboration with Sean Hibbler. And then people can also, I'm still just made half of a measly $15,000 when, let me just remind people, I directed the award-winning film Vanishing of the Bees, and it was the number one film on Netflix. I raised more than a million dollars pretty much on my own, initiating it with, with different fundraising, but those were different times. So every little bit counts to support real journalism. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for doing this and you should be proud. I know how much work goes into this stuff. So thank you. I want Darnella Frazier's um, Pulitzer Prize. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, stay with us and chime in on any of the rest of the stuff we're going to be covering. So we have a lot to get through. So I just want to quickly, um, let people know that the recent episode that came out this week on the solution series is navigating a failed healthcare system with Jennifer Walters and Matt Hale. And it's fantastic. Um, tons of, uh, and it's, it is subscriber only. You can go in and watch the preview there. It's exclusive to uh, my site as well as Solari.com. Uh, but there's tons of resources also underneath the article there. So I just encourage people to check this out because they have some really good tips in here. And then, all right, what's the next one, Edge? We got... U.S.-Africa okay. Leaders Summit. So tell us about what's going on there. Yeah, so <clears throat> he did a really great job on this. Um, let's see, I have this scrolled down here. Uh, Jeremy Lafredo, is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. He did a really great job on this article. I, I like the way he structured it. So I just have to point that out anyway. So let me give you the cliff notes. Basically uh, the U S is once again, raping Africa and this is all about mining. And so he says, I'm going to quote some, some key points from it. Cause it's a pretty lengthy article. Uh, the weekend of discussions was conducted Davos style with heads of U.S. industry seated directly beside African heads of state and members of the Biden administration. One set of regulations that the U.S. would especially like to loosen are those relating to the mining sector. This includes miners' rights, child labor laws, slavery laws, environmental regulations, and mineral tariffs. So, of course, Blinken, he says... The DRC produces more than 70% of the world's cobalt. Zambia is the world's sixth largest copper producer, second largest cobalt producer in, in Africa. And so what we have is, of course, in comes cobalt, co or cobalt uh, metals, which is a new tech mining company founded by Microsoft's Bill Gates, backed by uh, Jeff Bezos, and of course, Richard Branson, the Three Musketeers. And they want, they want it all. They say right on their website that they aim to secure control 
over all of the world's reserves, nickel, cobalt, lithium, and copper. So this is this is all about EV batteries. Okay. That's that's the main thing, but this is all, you know, about the whole climate hoax and getting us into a more sustainable environment. And so we need to do this. And so it's absolute BS is what it is. I mean, when you oh, consider yeah. the actual conditions these people are under, right. um, the the raping of the land itself. And um, I read this incredible thread on Twitter. I wish that I had pulled it up because it was a man who had been a miner in the mining industry for like 30 years. And he, t so he had extensive experience and he was like, let me explain to you point by point about how this whole green agenda by mining for this stuff is absolutely going to destroy the planet rather than save the planet. And he goes through all of these facts about the the conditions and the results of having to do this kind of mining for the amount of materials that they would need to have this sort of green agenda, right? Oh yeah, it's insane. So so he says, you know, according to the World Economic Forum, of course, by 2030, US multinational corporations like Microsoft, Amazon, Tesla, and Google will require 17 times more rare earth minerals to power Western consumers, smart devices, and electric cars for the coming green revolution. So, and of course, you know, the U.S. Department of Defense is explained how Africa has a plethora of strategic materials and, you know, which you'll have plenty to say on the whole defense budget later on during this. And so if we look at his article and scroll down to um, Cobold Metals, who was there, of course, negotiating their 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 contracts on it, their rights to the land. Uh, they have here that a little, he has a little chart here where it says all of the world's reserves. It says, and discover 12 trillion in new EV battery mineral deposits. EV batteries require cobalt, nickel, copper, and lithium. We'll need all of the world's reserves of these metals plus another 12 trillion of new sources. So th this is what these assets are doing right now. And I just thought that was, this was a really important article to bring to people's attention. Yeah. Raping Africa, nothing new. Right. Exactly. exactly. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. But all in the name of uh, climate change and oh, going yeah. green. It's, it's so absurd. I don't know mm -hmm. how people buy into this, but. I know. Uh, I know. Anyways. So leaders and the leaders whore out their countries and their people. Yep. Absolutely. So so Veritas dropped a bomb. And you know what's funny? So Edge sends me the link. She's like, oh, we gotta cover this. So I go in to click on the link, but it, but you had sent me the mobile one, Edge. So for some reason it, it just wasn't grabbing it. So I go into Twitter and I go to Veritas. And the first thing I clicked on, like in the sidebar, it pulled up. They were doing the um, the live space, Twitter space. Yeah, yes. And so a bunch of people were in there talking, of course, James O'Keefe. And, you know, and uh, I start listening to that. And so I listened to like three hours of that before I even went in and watched the video itself. You know, I yes. mean, I got the gist of what was going on just by I that. I did the but same it, thing. I was did you? Yeah, I was listening to the space and only later went to 
listen to <laughs> this may be this may be one of the most explosive ones yet that they've done i have to say oh, yeah i mean it exposes so much i mean this motivation be- behind pfizer to conduct gain of function they're trying to call it directed evolution but it's gain of function no less and then do that to create new variants so that they can cash in on future injections yeah, yeah. insane so he's got uh here let me go to my other tab so i don't butcher this so uh jordan walker is who is in the video there and he's a pfizer director research and development strategic operations he graduated yale in 2013 he's a this this just his credentials blow me away after listening to him talk uh dr Uh, med at u of texas southwestern medical school his supervisor reports to mikhail dalston who reports to albert burla ceo so this is not some low-level guy here and he's talking about mutating how pfizer's talking about mutating the covid virus to produce more vaccines and and i mean you we we you have to watch the whole clip of it. Uh, they posted like a ten minute clip where O'Keefe kind of goes back and forth and explains, and then they show the guy talking. and And we're not going to air the whole thing here, but we'll put the link for sure because this is definitely definitely um, this is a bombshell. I don't oh, and so remember if you were listening last night, uh, Miriam, yeah. at one point then. Uh, James goes, okay, Pfizer has responded. They just closed all comments on, uh, was it Instagram or TikTok or what? which was it? On one of the platforms, they shut down the ability to make comments because they were starting to take some heat on this. So it'll be interesting to see what's going on. And then today, which we record on Thursday, I know he said he was dropping something else explosive. I haven't had a minute to get over there and see, but I know there's more to come. Right. So, yeah. Yeah add a few um, a few comments that I didn't intently watch the space because I was watching um, I was doing a show and also watching Tim Pool but then I got caught up in the slamming of this of this piece and the fact that this guy has um, scrubbed his LinkedIn and then George Webb um, who was crapping on um, on Project Veritas and James O'Keefe and stating that this is shoddy reporting. And then Peter McCullough did a sub stack, which I had just started reading. So I, I was trying to get my head around who is this guy? I wanted to go look at his old LinkedIn page um, because when you watch this, this supposed doctor, um, he, you know, he, I don't know. I don't get a lot of respect from this guy who supposedly uh, the right hand to uh, who, whoever it is at, uh, is it Malone or worked underneath Malone, right? Uh, Borla. Yeah. So he's Borla, like four sorry, steps down from Borla. Like he's, he's not far from, you know, removed from Borla. So yeah, he's way high up there. And from what I understand, it's been confirmed that this guy, you know, did hold mm-hmm. this position regardless of whether or not they scrubbed these sites right, or right. not. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. I was just getting caught up in the soap opera of the, you know, yeah. the, all divide and conquer. Um, yeah. Right. No, but- this is, 
also he points out i love how he points out that this is what happened in wuhan like right, admitting right. that this is what happened in wuhan and then he goes on and basically says you know we're not worried about the fda you know we've totally captured the fda the fda is just a revolving door over here at yeah. pfizer we have nothing to worry about and yes we're going to make tons and tons of money off yep. of mutating it's, this it's virus creating disgusting. vaccines yeah, yeah it's disgusting which goes to you know the timing of it is is really key because today the on thursday the fda is um uh let me see if i'm on the right page here so they're proposing to shift to an annual covid jab and what they're proposing is that uh one dose of the latest updated covid shot annually for healthy adults you know, similar to the to the flu campaign, um, but then they're also proposing uh, usage of two. Sorry, it's this this stupid add-on I just did to highlight things is now making sounds, and I don't know how to turn it off. Um, so they're also proposing usage of two COVID uh, jabs a year for some young children older adults and persons with compromised immunity and so they're having this committee panel today that's that's literally going on right now and um if the panel votes in favor of this then pfizer and moderna's is it pronounced bivalent or bivalent 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 okay they're bivalent jobs which allegedly target both Omicron and the original variants would be used for all COVID jab doses, not just boosters. And so they had this public hearing, it's um, being aired live and I keyed into it just like an hour ago to see what was going on. And it was kind of perfect timing because they had the- um, Public the, comments. Uh, Yes. And it was, wow. I mean, people yeah. calling in with terrible, terrible side effects, deaths in the family, um, some people with medical backgrounds, just hammering out the stats, all of them and urging them to not, you know, that this needs to be investigated, not put through. And I know you edge queued up um, one of the women that called in. So if, if you want to play just, you know, a short bit of that. Yeah, sure. Now, tell me if you guys can hear the volume when I play it. Okay. My specialist states the yes. number of people experiencing vaccine side effects is larger than... Can you make it louder? ...and symptoms ranging from mild to catastrophic are not... No. Rare. ...COVID vaccine injury symptoms are straightforward and at this point should raise a bright red flag to doctors in their diagnoses. It is well past time to acknowledge these risks. Yeah, Carrie, I'm so sorry to cut off. We need to give other people a chance to speak. Are you ready to conclude your remarks? Yes. My neurologist believes it is the tincture of time that will allow our bodies to heal from COVID vaccine injuries. 14 months out, I'm hoping she's right. Thank you for your time. Thank you. I'm so sorry to hear of all your personal experiences. Um, my prayers with you. Um, thank you so much for taking time to share with us. Um, the next speaker is Russell Milko. Russell, please go ahead. Good afternoon. My name is Russell Milko. I have no disclosures. 
As a former manager for a major pharmaceutical company, I represented several drugs, including injectable vaccines. The vaccines I represented took over 20 years to receive FDA approval after double-blind peer-reviewed studies. The guidelines for approval were very strict and closely monitored to ensure the efficacy and safety of the vaccines. This is what we have come to expect from every single drug that is released for use. None of these protocols have been applied to these gene therapy drugs. Will this committee be willing to look at a new peer-reviewed study that shows 217,000 were killed by the COVID gene therapy products in the first year of use? By definition, as we all know, these products are not vaccines. They are experimental gene therapies. The peer-reviewed article by Mark Skidmore is entitled, The Role of Social Circle, COVID-19 Illness and Vaccination Experiences, an Online Survey of the United States Population. Mr. Skidmore used survey data and ratios of vaccine deaths to COVID-19 deaths that suggest that the number of fatalities of these gene therapy products may be as high as 278,000 people. Nobody wants to talk about it because that's the way science is and it works, right? Most likely Mr. Skidmore's paper will be retracted. Did the FDA do any surveys of the population like Mark Skidmore? If they did, we all would like to see the data. Is the FDA not doing any surveys on the population because they are afraid of the results? As I interact with doctors all over the country that have taken these COVID shots, they've expressed regret in taking them. They had no choice at the time because they were forced to take the shots or lose their hospital privileges. I asked the FDA Advisory Committee to have a private session with doctors Peter McCullough, Robert Malone, Asim Mohatra, Pierre Corey, and someone who has taken many of these surveys, Mr. Steve Kirsch. Furthermore, these gene therapies need to be taken off the market like Dr. Mahatra has asked the authorities to do in Great Britain. Thank you for your time. Yeah, and you know, the other ones, now I don't know how many they allowed to speak, but I heard two other women speaking and telling their own personal stories. And it was just, you know, they both broke down at one point because it was horrific what they've been through and some of their family members. And so if these assets actually put this through after all of this which i believe then i forget how it works but it goes through something through the fda then over to the cdc and gets approval and you know they're they're all they're all complicit in this so well i was gonna say they it's still going on it's been uh, started seven hours ago and it's still going strong it's the yeah. 178th meaning of vaccines and i just wanted to say we know that usually strains um, weaken in nature and so it, it's no surprise if that they're finagling mutants in order to 
continue this this massacre really i mean how many people i just yesterday a friend a friend's brother just died at 41 he had health issues but he was he was triple jabbed there was an article that came out in the IQFY saying they knew why didn't the unvaccinated do more to warn us it reads like an onion article right have you read you know which article i'm talking I, about i skim read it i skim read it yeah a lot of blood is now on their hands i mean we yeah. were busting out laughing at the at how backwards and and wrong this is oh it's so backwards but this right here is pfizer's presentation for this fda approval and just coming off of the backs of the project veritas expose it's just really illuminating because when they when you look at this um this proposal to do a yearly injection and they're proposing it to be somewhat like that of um the flu in which they um start figuring out what the most common strain is that's going to be coming for the next season and um preparing that way so when you look at this timeline of how Pfizer is pitching to the FDA to prepare for these bivalent shots on a yearly basis coming just off of the backs of this Pfizer report I mean of this project Veritas report it really gives you paints a big picture doesn't it about oh, it sure does mm -hmm. yeah they're trying to get ahead oh, <laughs> yeah. not by by mutating ahead right hmm exactly exactly all right and and which brings us to the next uh the next article here i want to point out to people is gosh it's just been a crazy week hasn't it yeah uh so medical profession implements who's digital diagnosis code for the unvaxxed and i'm just this is really long so i'm just going to point out some key things so we know that you know they have the international codes for billing purposes for medicare and medicaid and insurance companies but these codes are part of the international classification of disease system which of course is set forth by the world health organization so <clears throat> they started implementing this um they they announced this you know quite a ways back like a year or two ago started rolling out the code in october 2022 and now it's available at nearly every medical clinic and hospital as of this month. So the code is Z28.310. And it's, uh, as the article reads here, it's a very peculiar diagnosis since it's not a diagnosis at all, but an invasion of privacy. And so this author, who was the author of this? Uh, written by Leo Homan. And... Um, he actually interviewed a doctor and talked about the codes and how the system works. And so the code that your doc, this is the code that your doctor will log into the computer system that is assessed by government and private health insurers that will inform them of your COVID jab status. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and here's the thing. So they already know, right? They already have these databases. They've got people logged in. Like if you were to go into the hospital right now or something, they're going to see that you haven't gotten one because if you had, they would have already logged you in. 
But now that they have the specific code, the code works very interesting. And this is where it's going to get hairy because I can see this, how this could tie right into a, you know, vaccine ID passport, the whole digital ID crap. So let me just find this point the doctor brings up. He says, um, so they're internationally recognized codes, which means anywhere you travel in the world, they're all going to know your status. And it goes beyond your status, but it's interesting the way this code works. Um, so he says, if diagnostics aren't entered properly, a doctor may not get reimbursed. So there's that factor as too, which is going to obviously get more doctors to to do this, to um, to ask people when they come in, you know, have you been jabbed, haven't you? So they can enter the proper codes, which will probably expand as time goes on. So they're technically being incentivized because if they, if there does come a point where there's like financial payouts um, or for meaningful use for this data, then they're going to incentivize them. So this doctor explains that the code um, for being unvaccinated generally, Z20. but it gets... What? Oh, sorry. Z28.31. Yeah. Yeah. Z28.31. But it gets more specific from here. He says it's non-specific, but the but with COVID, they added the one after the three. So COVID is the only vaccine they are specific for. Then they add a second digit if you are partially vaccinated and didn't get any of the boosters. These codes could continue to get more specific to the point that they also log in codes for why you refused big pharma's ineffective and unsafe, but very profitable injections. The doctor told uh, told him that he saw one patient's diagnosis code that was specific for, for refusing the jab due to his schizophrenia. So <laughs> it doesn't take much imagination to see how this system could be abused. And then, of course, we have, which I think we reported on, Ed, at the G20 summit, which was just held a couple months ago in Indonesia, where the 20, the world's 20 largest economies issued their joint statement on implementing the digital vaccine ID passport system. So we can see how this code would all could all go hand in hand with that. And then where is it going to factor into the whole um you know, in that person's case, it was schizophrenia. Well, what if you go against the narrative or, you know, you're a far right extremist or you uh, obviously clearly are mentally delusional. So so what kind of specific code are they going to have for us? <laughs> right. Yeah. And they do have already I've reported in the past a code for basically people who are difficult, people that don't want meds, people that refuse um, I know because I was labeled that um, and later found out combative, combative. So when in the solution series, that's one of the things we went over about navigating the healthcare system and how, how to um, handle it, how to speak, what to say, what not to say, what to fill out, what not to fill out and that type of thing, because that's one of the number one things they do is they label you combative. Wow. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? I, mm -hmm. I uh, was told by my higher self to when I got Steven Johnson um, to use that as like, I literally can't take your vaccine because I might die. So I published uh, color photos where you can see I'm all inflamed and I have 
rash just in case to travel with it, to just flash it to them um, because people will look at you funny um, because they, right. yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, this is, wow, very eye-opening. I didn't realize that the system already had coding for who was jabbed versus who was unjabbed. I didn't realize the extent to which doctors are on the hook for um, reporting this data in order to get paid. That's a huge incentive for them to do that. And it's a massive expansion of this sort of biomedical control grid that they're creating attached to the digital ID passports and the who and everything else, which is perfect segue for me to talk about uh, my latest report on funding the control grid, which I published last week on Corey's digs. So uh, when I published, it's a big one, folks. <laughs> it's it's a big one. This whole series is going to read. Uh, it, it's a lot, a lot of data. It is. I scrolled through it. I'm like, damn, girl, this is like reading one of my reports. It's yeah, so long. <laughs> Take your time in reading it because each bullet point is important. And it is. um, so I the whole idea behind this series, it's going to be a four part series. This is part one of the control grid. It focuses on the biomedical framework. And what I wanted to accomplish through this series is to show the public how the permanent Washington machine has used our taxpayer dollars to build this control grid in four key areas. And first, I establish the background and the context. And in the background and the context, I go into detail. And then I go into the funding, the new funding and legislation pushed through Congress at the end of 2022 to show what they're planning to do next with our taxpayer dollars. Which so, was through the defense bill and the omnibus bill combined, which was over 6,000 pages that you scoured for this. Yes. So I go through all the documents showing the linkage between our own government agencies, the funding and creation of the COVID bioweapon in Wuhan, and their attempts to cover it up. And they're still funding gain-of-function research and eco-health. Think about the Project Veritas report that just came out confirming that gain-of-function is happening. Yeah. Then I get into the uh, further down in the report about everything that we know so far about the mRNA injections um, and how dangerous they are. Um, but they're not stopping there. There are hundreds of clinical trials for new mRNA injections happening. They are not only working on this bivalent to get, start giving those yearly uh, for COVID, but they're also working on um, mRNA flu injections. Pfizer and Moderna are in phase three of their clinical trials. So mm -hmm. COVID was just the beginning. And then I get into how they're preparing for the next pandemic. They're strategically pl planning for future emergencies in order to justify more authoritarianism, such as what you just spoke about, the digital passports, the WHO pandemic treaty, and so on. And so then I go into, this is when I get into the omnibus bill and breaking it down, the 2023 budget of how each of these agencies that have participated in this nefarious activity in the past with our PAC 
taxpayer dollars. They're each getting increases in their budgets. Increase, increase, increase. Every single one of them is getting a boost in funding for this biomedical control grid. And then I start going into the details of the legislation on how in three key areas they are working to expand this biomedical control grid. They're feverishly planning for the next pandemic, doing a lot of strategic planning. There are several areas in the omnibus bill and NDAA where they're creating new offices, new committees, and these are all designed to consolidate all the power at the top among unelected bureaucrats to control the entire federal government's response for the next so-called public health emergency. And one example here is this new pandemic czar under the president called the Office of the Pandemic Preparedness and Response Policy. And this is to provide a completely streamlined, uh, consolidated whole of government response to the next so-called emergency. And then I talk about how and the second area where that they're um, they're expanding this biomedical control grid, and that is they're working very rapidly on research, development, stockpiling of more mRNA injections, including this universal flu vaccine, which is the flu mRNA injection. And it also includes funding for the new ARPA-H agency, which got one and a half billion dollars and they're tasked with conducting quote high risk research now think about this in the context of the the Pfizer expose and the kind of research they're conducting what kind of high risk research with a 1.5 billion dollar budget do you expect ARPA H to be conducting it's going to be highly secretive we're not going to know about it but I can guarantee you that they will live up to the name of high risk research um, so, so it goes down further here into the le legislation. Um, they are also greenlighting a way for the FDA to fast track approval of mRNA injections based on data Big Pharma had previously submitted using the same platform technologies as the COVID injection as evidence for safety and efficacy. This is their way of being able to fast track the coming mRNA injections that they want to just get onto the market as quickly as possible. In, in which case, Gavi, of course, Bill Gates, and, and the WHO and all of those, mm, and the Global Fund are receiving billions throughout this, just as they do every year. Yep. And the third area that I go into is um, that they are really focusing on scaling up surveillance tools. Um, think about what we just spoke about with the digital diagnosis code and where the doctors are required to submit our medical information to the government for reimbursement. Well, the omnibus legislation is talking about scaling up these very same surveillance tools, collection of data. 
And uh, one area, for example, is the CDC is tasked with coming up with a strategic plan. And this is a strategic plan for the next pandemic. And part of that, the CDC is tasked with enhancing their data collection and their surveillance capabilities. Also, the HHS is tasked with the same thing. They are tasked with partnering with states and localities on modernizing their um, their data collection, their sur- biosurveillance, um, public health surveillance systems. So this is an attempt to streamline, consolidate, get everybody modernized, digitized, um, and ready to go. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's really painting a picture here when you look at it from the the big scope. Um, also, just a couple of key points on the National Defense Authorization Act. I get into and break down all of the funding for biotechnology, biowarfare, biodefense, and we're talking billions here. And um, so like nearly a billion in biotechnology under, under the defense budget and about one and a half billion in chemical and biological warfare and defense. Now, when you think about this, think about this in the context of this is the budget that was funding EcoHealth, right? Okay, so yeah, have- to to the tune of eight hundred and fifty-eight billion, which is an increase of eighty billion over twenty twenty-two. Right. So um, they they got one and a half billion in chemical and biological warfare and defense programs, some of which ends up going to um, eco health eventually if they continue on the same path that they have in the past. So. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of data points in this. I understand it's really. Uh, jam-packed, but it's well worth the read. And it's good. No, it's not 3,000 pages. So thank you for condensing it for us. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, but it's important information. And the next one coming out, part two will be out, I believe, Friday. Is that right, Corey? Yep. Same day we publish this. And and we're going to go over that one in next week's podcast. That one's really critical, too. Right. It's got a ton of critical information. It is also, uh, it, it is about the psychological framework. So, oh, yeah. yeah. We know they're targeting the mental health. So that one's going to be really critical. We're going to, we're going to want to spend like the whole podcast going over that one. Because it's important that people understand um, which organizations and agencies to look out for what it is they're targeting so that when people go into different places or fill out different forms or they know what they're getting themselves into or they know what to avoid they know you know better ways to navigate and we know how to fight this Um, right how to pressure your local state and federal representatives um congressional representatives on what to defund what um, programs they're trying to, you know, because a lot of these programs are working in partnership with states and localities. Um, pressure your local representatives and your state representatives to not get involved with this um, because it is completely designed to collect our data and use that against us. Um, so there's a lot of ways that we can pressure our representatives to not participate. Uh, we can pressure um, our members of Congress to defund a lot of these programs. So 
And, uh, and one really key thing, guys, is to please take all four of these parts as they release and publish them across all social media, especially under your representatives' um, timelines, and make sure they see, because we know that none of them read all this. And to be honest with you, I haven't looked to see which, if any, what Republicans may have agreed to any of these, or if it was solely, you know, Democrat, because this was all, these were passed in um, last year. So December, wasn't it? Just like, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah so, yeah, so that's really important. And then you can also use these to email to your representatives as well as numerous other people. But it's really important to get this information out there because as we know, these things get launched a few days out. No one has time to read them. They get passed. People read maybe mainstream news will report on, oh, here's five great things coming out of this. They don't tell you all the trash and the garble and the pork and everything that's going into it. So it's really important to share this information. Absolutely. All right. Well, Miriam, it was so good <laughs> speaking with you and getting caught up. Same theory, you you ladies rock and uh, you're heroes for all the work that you put out. So uh, I'm honored to be here and and uh, I thank you for for um, watching the film. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, it was, it was absolutely amazing. It was definitely. Please go check out Miriam's work. You can find her on Miriam Hanane. Dot com, and you can actually get the link to her documentary from there. You could also check out the Give, Send, Go for Miriam Henane and contribute to her work because she put thousands of hours, who knows how many, a, a lot of money into putting this amazing documentary together for you guys with a lot of footage that you may have never seen before. So thank you, thank you both. All right, guys. Thank well, thank you for joining us on Dig It. Please be sure to share this podcast. We're on BitChute, Foxhole, Gab TV, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Pilled, Rumble, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Tune In. No longer on YouTube. So please be sure to subscribe to our other platforms and we'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. Thank you.